0: Hello there, friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. I am your host for Truth Espresso, Daniel Minnick, and I have with me my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea, and we are going to continue what we talked about last week as we are engaged in a battle in the state of Colorado concerning particularly three bills, three abortion-related bills. And so if you listen to the episode from last week, this was um, the committee hearing for these bills in the Senate where people testified and the Senate continued to pass the bills there. And then so now we're going to cover a little bit of discussion on about what these three bills are about and some of what was talked about during the amendment process. And so these bills passed the Senate. They had some amendments, but of course, not a whole lot in opposition to the desired results from the supporters of the bill. So thank you for doing this again with me, sweetheart.
2: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me be a part of this with you.
0: And so um, because this all came up, we were doing a series on the revivals. But once again, as we have taken a break from the revival series... What we're talking about demonstrates that a revival is definitely needed today. A true revival and especially the state of Colorado is in dire need of uh, a revival of truth and the gospel and especially the truth about what health care really means and the fact that health care does not include supporting killing the unborn. Now, Senate bills 188, 189, and 190 are a package or a slate of bills that together are kind of nicknamed REA 2.0. So, if you've listened to Truth Espresso, last year Chelsea testified on the House committee before the bill was passed in Colorado. It was the Reproductive Health Equity Act, or REA. And now these three bills this year in this legislative session are considered the 2.0 version. So they want to take last year's bill and kind of add to it, go beyond it. So last year's Reproductive Health Equity Act basically was just abortion on demand at any time during pregnancy for any reason and including Possibly the idea that even infanticide after that and and of course when it comes to progressives there's no such a thing as we've arrived there's always more progressive work to do there's you've never reached progressive utopia (laughs) and so Senate Bill 188 is called the protections for accessing reproductive health care and sweetheart do you have anything to kind of talk about on this one.
2: So I'm wondering before we get specifically into the bills that maybe we can just briefly talk about why is it important to look at these bills? Why is it important to speak up against these bills and be involved in legislation like that? Like As we have seen over these past couple of weeks, and learning more about the legislative process there are lots of bills that come and go through the senate and through the house and i'm just wondering like as a christian is that like our place to do this is this something that christians should do or shouldn't do and kind of just like take a step back and say like okay why is this important and is this important
0: Yeah, definitely, because if you read the early church fathers during the time of persecution, they did talk a lot about even the, the politics of the persecution during their time, and so they didn't seem to believe that Christians are just supposed to let bad things happen. Now, they're willing to be martyrs, of course, but they didn't believe that it was right for evil to triumph. And so, especially when we're talking here about... Basically a dystopia against the unborn in the state of Colorado Christians who value life and value truth we want to make truth known to people who despise it or even people who somehow don't understand it Uh, make sure people understand the truth because that's what the, the gospel is also about proclaiming the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and and the same with the question of what is the unborn and then off of that when it comes to these bills what really is health care and so yes definitely christians should be more involved because it seems like a lot of christians don't really pay attention to the legal process how bills become law and especially at the state or local levels and so Sometimes Christians will find themselves hoodwinked by the process where their rights are taken away. Truth is destroyed and it becomes too late. You know, what just happened? Well, you could have paid attention and you could have been more involved.
2: So for some reason, this verse comes to mind frequently, <laughs> but Revelation three sixteen, where it says, so then, because thou art lukewarm... Isn't Jesus talking about the church of Laodicea?
0: Laodicea, yes.
2: (laughs) So he's calling them lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth. And it just seems like there are so many Christians, so many churches. I mean, even people in general that are just kind of like, oh, we're just not going to get involved. We'll just let whatever happens happen. We're not going to say anything And to me, that's kind of that lukewarm mentality where you're just kind of sitting back, letting things Mm -hmm. play out and not getting involved, not being informed. And especially when we're talking about with these bills here, this is life and death. Mm, Yes. (laughs) The life and death of the baby, for one, life and death of these moms. Mm -hmm. And these are have serious consequences for how Christians are going to be able to continue to proclaim truth. And sometimes I just want to, like, can we just light a fire under Christians and, like, stir the hearts of people to stand up for what is right and not just sit back in our chairs each Sunday. And I feel like sometimes the church and Christians can be, like, stuck in their little bubble, like, Okay, let's do our weekly services and midweek services, make sure everything's functioning, which I know that is important, of course. I'm not trying to dismiss that, but we just get so stuck in there that nothing else outside of that bubble exists or is something to be concerned about when we've got these three bills that are going to greatly affect how pro-life can even function in Colorado and how we can help these young women and their babies here. And so I think, come on, Christians, (laughs) we need to get off of our chairs and be involved in this and try to be that voice because right now that is what we need. If we just continue to sit back and just let things keep going how they are, we're just going to stay that lukewarm, then God says he's going to spew us out
0: yeah because like last year it was a pretty bad bill but it seemed like a lot of christians just didn't think much of it and then now this year it's like okay adding insult to injury with going far beyond just abortion on demand for any reason you know at at any point in, in pregnancy and possibly beyond that's not enough and now with these bills it's getting crazier, so I shudder to think, what's next year going to look like in Colorado unless Christians make their voices heard and let the legislature know we're not going to stand for this nonsense?
2: So getting back to your question about the Senate Bill 188. So Senate Bill 188 is entitled Protecting Healthcare Patients, Providers, and Assistors." So, this bill is kind of interesting. It is seeking to protect specifically abortion providers from being accountable for any malpractice, negligence, and the death of women from abortion complications. One example that was brought up during the committee hearing, which would have been prudent but not brought up during the Senate floor, was our own abortion doctor, Warren Hearn, here in Boulder, And I think we talked about this case last week, too, when a woman ended up dying because he did not complete the abortion procedure entirely. And then the family went to sue and they couldn't. Well, this is the bill that's trying to say we're going to protect these abortion providers. So no matter what the outcome is for the baby, for the mom, for anything, there's no recourse of action. And they can't have their medical license pulled, they can't be investigated, they can't have any lawsuits come against them. And the other aspect of this is that it puts a lot of pressure on professionals in medicine And also like hospitals that do not want to provide abortion services because of their religious beliefs or, you know, whatever the case may be. That medical professionals and even hospitals or medical centers, if they do not provide abortion services, they can actually be punished or shut down or have their licenses revoked because they're not providing what the bill is trying to call all-encompassing reproductive health care. And to them, that means you have to provide abortion services and gender-affirming care. <laughs> so if those two are not on that list, then oh, your center or your profession can be in trouble because then you're not providing the reproductive health care that they want you to.
0: Yeah, where it says protections for accessing reproductive health care, but it seems like that threatens to remove some access to real reproductive health care. But for those who are willing to provide things but aren't providing what they want, which would include abortion, so-called care. (laughs) Yeah, this bill included protections for out-of-state So abortion practitioners who move to Colorado because they might have some headaches in other states, you know, Colorado then becomes a safe haven for them to practice and that Colorado would legally shield them from prosecutions from other states. Colorado wants to be the horns of the altar against anything coming after them in other states where they've actually violated the laws in other states.
2: So I actually have an interesting clip from the Senate Bill 188 that was presented on the Senate floor that we can play to when they're trying to promote why this bill is necessary. Senator Hawking Lewis states,
3: These punitive state laws are seeking to go a step farther. They're trying to impose legal cruelty on providers And healthcare advocates in many states. Bounty hunter laws have created a climate of fear and intimidation, and it will prevent Colorado healthcare workers from offering care and to prevent patients from seeking care.
2: And frequently, throughout some of the proponents, testimony or their statements to promote this bill, they would often say that this bill is going to protect medical professionals and how medical professionals and healthcare care providers are the frontline heroes and how we need to protect them without any political interference. And we need to make sure patients can get access to health care from medical providers Well, this bill, when you contrast it with the other bill that they're trying to promote too, are totally contrasting each other because they're only specifying a specific group of healthcare providers in this bill, and that is the abortionist. So an abortion provider in Colorado can prescribe the abortion pill to a patient who lives in Texas And the provider here in Colorado is protected, even though abortion pill, if it's given over six weeks in Texas, is considered illegal. But because of this law that they're trying to put forth, the provider in Colorado would be um, not held accountable for anything that they've done. Even if that girl in Texas dies because of a complication from the abortion pill, the provider here is still protected and nothing can happen. And no investigations can be done, and we've seen where abortion providers have quite an interesting history, if you remember Dr. Gosnell. Yeah,
0: I was going to mention that, because it was in this 2013, something like that, Yeah, in Pennsylvania, and even most abortion providers at that time recognized, like, Gosnell just went too far. He was too unsanitary and too careless and stuff like that. So no one in their right mind agrees with what Gosnell was doing and getting away with. So, you know, it's right to have him in jail, but he's an outlier. (laughs) But if this were law in Colorado, 10 Gosnells could be operating in Colorado and they would be legally immune. And
2: that brings me to an amendment that was presented for this that would make sure abortion providers are credible, that they are running like a safe, clean abortion clinic, that they're qualified to do abortions and making sure that these practices are held accountable just like any other medical practice. But somehow because there's abortion tied with it, That that puts that group and that practice in a total different playing field where there's no rules, no regulations, nothing to ensure that they're safe for these women. But wait a minute, I thought we were going to be a state that provided safe (laughs) abortions. Well, never mind that slogan anymore, because now we can let anyone and everyone who wants to try to perform an abortion do that in Colorado. Nothing can be done to them no matter what the outcome is. Because
0: you think about it, restaurants will have (laughs) health and safety examinations. Are they running a clean operation? That kind of thing. But when it comes to abortion, you can't have any kind of, I mean, obviously, we're talking here from 100% pro-life perspective that abortion is wrong. But even just trying to address the logic here, last year with the Reproductive Health Equity Act, there was an amendment about at least doctors have to use sterile instruments. And the Democrats shouted no to that because in their thinking, if there's any any kind of qualification or requirement, well then that requires that there has to be regulation, investigation, there's the possibility of lawsuits and they can't have anything like that because there can't be any possibility of legal action against any abortion provider for providing an abortion under any circumstances. And that's what this bill wants to do, protect any and all abortion or anything that's considered abortion from any restrictions, any regulations, and any outcomes.
2: So I was just thinking, I know, like, we're 100% pro life of the mom and baby. Yes. And I would never even recommend, not that I recommend abortions, but I would never recommend someone seek abortion care in Colorado if this law passes because there's no way to make sure that it is a well. I don't know. I can't even say all that. (laughs) I can't even imagine like recommending it, but
0: it's a very risky thing to do.
2: yeah, Yeah. Colorado, they're thinking, okay, we need to be the forefront. They keep saying this. We need to, Colorado needs to be the forefront of getting these laws into place to make sure abortion is accessible and that everyone can be safe air quotes, but that's not what's going to happen. When we're allowing such evil, deadly practice, just have free reign in Colorado, then we're going to see very bad consequences from this.
0: Think of all the death that's going to happen, and we don't just mean the babies. We're talking about the deaths of mothers, too. And Yeah, as the opposition of the bill would refer to it as this new protected class, so abortion providers become a new protected class of people that are somehow above the law in certain ways, because Section 9 of the bill well, says that police cannot arrest a health care provider unless they know for certain that the action for arrest is a crime recognized as a crime in Colorado, so yeah, police are going to be afraid of falling afoul of this bill if they try to arrest abortion provider, maybe even for speeding or something, because you know that the defendants are going to bring up this bill and say, like, I think the officers just arresting him. Like, wait, what do you believe, officer? Are you pro-life? You have a motivation for arresting him? Are you trying to find a loophole here? Sorry. Section 10, no search warrants for the same thing. And Section 11, no summons from a judge for protected health care or gender-affirming care. So, yeah, abortion providers are almost like totally above the law, and it's going to be very hard Even if they're just outright murdering people or maybe even using women who are going there to get abortions as some kind of experimental process, trying to get evidence on that is going to be difficult with this law. So what we're talking about is pure, heinous evil.
2: And just one case that they bring up frequently with the Bill 188 in particular and I know we heard this case last year, too, during the Ria testimony about a mom who became pregnant with twins in Texas, later found out that one of her twins had trisomy 18. Basically, there's a small chance of survival, of, well, 50% chance of survival for the twin with the trisomy 18. And the survival rate can vary depending on what effects the trisomy has on the baby. The most concerning are the cardiac effects. But the other issues with trisomy 18 are they can have club feet, which we have awesome orthopedic surgeons and techniques now that help with club feet. Their wrists can be kind of flopped over and turned in a little bit. And same, we have amazing technology to help with that. They might be a little bit smaller. Their ears might be a little bit lower on their head. So besides the cardiac part of it, which I know is a big deal... We had experienced that ourselves with one of our children. But there's so much advances in medical technology and treatments that this poor woman, their case is this lady had to flee from Texas on an airplane when she was very pregnant. I don't remember how far along she was. I do remember that. I was thinking they could have tried to attempt to save this twin. Mm -hmm. So she had to fly to Colorado by herself without any of her support system, to have that twin killed through an abortion because somehow her life was at risk and the other twin's life was at risk. And when you look at the Texas law, they have an exemption in their law that if the mom's life is at risk or her health is in danger, that they can still have an abortion there. So there was really no need for her to fly all the way to Colorado for that. Plus, I'm not convinced that they had to kill Hmm. her baby instead of just attempting to deliver the baby and try and provide care as long as the baby could live and try and save that baby. So that's their case that they bring up with this and showing why this bill is
0: needed. Yeah, of course. They're going to find the extreme, or at least in their view, extreme cases, you know, the exception to prove the rule. So therefore, we need to guarantee that everything providing abortion has no limits because of these cases like that.
1: Unbelievers now have no excuse to misinterpret the Bible. Like they ever did? Interpreting the Bible has never been easier or less expensive. Get your copy of What Does It Mean to Me? This teaches and demonstrates the importance of biblical interpretation. Proper biblical interpretation is the difference between truth and error, life and death, heaven and hell. This is created for your sinos, that's your Christians in name only. Readers will stop asking, what does this mean to me, and start asking, what does it mean? Get your copy of What Does It Mean to Me at trackplanet.com or on
0: amazon.com today. You want to get this before it's too late. The second bill in this package of abortion dystopia is 189 for increasing access to reproductive health care. And this one primarily has to do with insurance plans, making sure that insurance programs, particularly from larger employees that have more comprehensive insurance plans, that they can't in any way penalize or, you know, increase deductibles or somehow change the limit of the you know, lifetime limit of medical coverage and stuff. It regulates large employer health insurance programs to cover all abortion costs without any penalties to deductibles or coverage limits. It wants to make sure that HIV treatment drugs, STI treatments, sterilization are covered. Basically, if an insurance program covers something, then it's like, well, if you're going to cover it, then you must cover all demand for without in any way penalizing the coverage which, of course, as someone who understands the way market forces work, uh, laws like this are certainly going to increase the cost of health care and increase the cost of health insurance. So this kind of bill introduces moral hazard on that. So not only do many of these services, quote-unquote, encourage promiscuity in killing the unborn, as I've read this bill, but such insurance requirements for full coverage, you can't penalize based on all this new demand and all the problems that come as a result. It'll surely push up the cost of health care and insurance. And another, of course, issue with this that I saw, especially on Section 6 of the bill, it allows, of course, minors to get contraceptives from health care providers without parental consent. Of course, because the state of Colorado is all about making sure that minors get abortions, get contraceptives. There's no limitations on that without their parents consenting or even knowing.
2: An interesting argument that I remember hearing from the opposition was that this demands coverage for specific procedures or conditions related to abortion contraception, STI testing and treatment, and HIV testing and treatment. And the opponent brought up, well, especially with HIV and AIDS, there's been a lot of advances in medical treatments, and people with those conditions have been able to live longer. So why are we focusing on that specific disease process and not on the number one killer of the American people, cardiac disease. Mm -hmm. So why aren't we trying to focus on making sure any cardiac medications or diabetic medications, these things that have a lot higher death rate right now, why aren't these being fully covered by insurance companies instead of these kind of offshoots, Mm -hmm. Um, medical procedures or disease processes. And he recommended that they add a whole bunch of (laughs) other breast cancer, colon cancer. Like there's so many disease processes that we would love to be able to just offer and help these people. But in reality, we can't do
0: that. Yeah, because that would make health care costs go through the roof. But the amendment proposed there was kind of demonstrating the absurdity of this bill. Like, why are we trying to guarantee that everyone can have full health care, health insurance and coverage for things that obviously... Can hurt them and increase costs of health care by, like, abortion on demand and sexual activity and stuff and obviously with the hiv drug you know as you said drugs for hiv have advanced but i think it seems like this bill is anticipating that they're wanting to cover lifestyles they're wanting to make sure that certain so-called alternative lifestyles get to do whatever they want and have insurance cover them and don't have insurance penalize them because it realizes that they're going to need all this health care for their lifestyle yes
2: so another opponent also raised the contradiction with this bill in that it's trying to ensure coverage for these certain categories but the people that qualify for that type of insurance is very small for some reason I'm recalling the number 17% like this would only affect 17% of the people because most of the people who are seeking these services and I know this is accusation against pro-life people, but this is the fact of what we see in even Guttmacher Institute mm. in their research but most people seeking abortion services contraceptives need HIV medications. They're on the Title 10. Or they're on, you know, Medicaid, Mm. Medicare. They're on these insurance programs that are already covering these for the most part. And now they're just trying to address like a very small group of people. It doesn't make sense. Like, why are we trying to extend this to a small group of people where it doesn't really apply to the people that would really need it?
0: It's definitely an activist bill with an agenda there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, and the last bill. Yes, the last
0: <laughs> bill is kind of the big one, especially for pregnancy resource centers. And uh, you mentioned, you brought up, so you heard about how part of this bill, really the whole bill, but how it directly contradicts the message in 188, the one about protecting access to reproductive health care and making reproductive health care i.e. abortion, be such a protected activity that it's immune to lawsuits and arrests and stuff like that, even if it results in death from the patient. But with this Bill 190, it seeks to eliminate a certain type of health care because it's not abortion. It's Quote unquote, anti abortion. And so that's not protected, even though there's no real evidence that it's harmful. Talk about the exact opposite. You can't get much more extreme and more obviously political and agenda driven than these three bills, and how 188 and 190 are like night and day when it comes to this.
2: And the one senator earlier in 188 said that 188 was needed to keep politics out of reproductive (laughs) health care. Okay, but somehow that doesn't apply to our Senate Bill 190 here because now we're putting politics into reproductive health care by just restricting any provider here to offering the abortion pill reversal protocol And then also restricting and potentially even shutting down pregnancy resource centers because they're considered to be deceitful or, in quotes, fake clinics. Yeah. I mean, they did remove that with the second reading of the bill before the Senate floor. But there is still very strong language in this bill that makes it very political and very targeted Mm. to anyone who is considered to be like you said anti abortion.
0: The episode from last week, you know, said that Colorado wants to gag pregnancy centers and ban the abortion pill reversal, and that's what Senate Bill 190 is all about. And the whole like idea is that they engage in deceptive advertising and I'm going to play a clip from Senator Danielson and her explanation of how Crisis Pregnancy Centers or Pregnancy Resource Centers engage in deceptive practices.
4: What happens when a person is considering their options is they may see an advertisement that says, Are you pregnant? Are you considering abortion? And one will click on that advertisement expecting to get information about their options. Explore your options. Considering abortion, know your options. What does it take you to? An appointment page for a crisis pregnancy center. And what is the information that you receive when you get there? No information about abortion services. No information about abortion care. No information about anything except for the agenda that they wish to place on you. It might not be every place, but it's every place that I've seen
0: so that's what they consider deceptive advertising in this bill is the fact that a pregnancy center is telling you if you're considering abortion or you're pregnant, you're you know unexpectedly pregnant, know your options. And you go there and they want to present to you the options because most people Think about it. Most people now, especially in the state of Colorado, know abortion is an option. But know your options means. Abortion is not the only option. They're going to tell you about what abortion is, as you mentioned, sweetheart, but according to Senator Danielson here, it's deceptive advertising for the fact that pregnancy centers want to help women not consider abortion by presenting the valid life-affirming options. Know your options, but Danielson thinks it's deceptive advertising and therefore should be illegal for them not to just stay flat up like, hey, we're a political center. We we are pro-life, you know, well they do most of them do but just kind of like they have to be in your face about like we don't provide abortion sorry you know guess you're going to be deprived of a valid option and are you looking for this are you looking for a religious fanatical institution then we're here for you but if not then sorry we're not for you that's really what they want and so basically if a pregnancy center actually is trying to help women in need in just like, Here's their situation. Contact us. We can help. Oh, that's deceptive. That's deceit. And that should be illegal if you're not advertising yourself in the way they think you should advertise, such as here's our religious affiliation, here's our religious dogma, here's our religious goals for you. And we want to evangelize you. And, you know, we want to make sure that you know that we're anti abortion. And, you know, so basically, trying to gag pregnancy centers from being able to help women in the way that they know best.
2: Which that just infuriates me that (laughs) they want to attack pregnancy centers in that way because pregnancy centers, I mean, I can't speak for all of them. Of course, Mm -hmm. there are some that could definitely use more tactful advertising or make it clear that they don't perform nor refer for abortions. But I think for the most part, Most pregnancy centers do that. But pregnancy centers, and I know even in my own practice, we care about the women. And we know that not all women are just, as soon as they find out they're pregnant, they're determined to go have an abortion. If they were, they would just show up at Planned Parenthood. Everyone knows that's where you go for an abortion. But if they're not convinced in their heart that that is what they want to do, they're going to look for other options. And that's where the pregnancy centers come in. That's where our clinic comes in to help them be able to decide for themselves.
0: With fully informed consent, which they don't get from Planned Parenthood
2: and also trying to get to the bottom of why are they coming to this decision? Like, what factors are pushing them towards one decision or over the other? And not that we're focusing on, oh, we don't want you to choose abortion, don't choose abortion. Because they might feel so much pressure from their boyfriend, from their parents, from their school, whatever the situation is, that they feel like that is the only option, even though down inside, They do not want to do that. So that's where we come beside them when we help them try and step away from all that pressure and understand what they want to do personally. And I'm going to use the pro-abortion's own words. We trust women (laughs) to make their own health care decisions. God made women to have this innate aspect of them that cares for their children They desire children. They want to protect their children. And abortion does the exact opposite of that. God has never put into a woman's heart to go seek an abortion. Mm -hmm. So when a woman is facing that, there's something going on that's making her feel like that's her only option. And we want her to discover that, like, what is pushing her towards that decision. Because ultimately, if we can help her come back and realize Okay, she's in an abusive situation. She's being human trafficked. Let's get her out of that situation so she can feel free. She won't feel pressured to have an abortion and her whole life would change. We're talking about life-changing discussions here with these women. And it's not just this one-time quick fix, go do an abortion thing. That is not fixing the underlying force and pressure that she's feeling. And that's where I feel like pregnancy centers and what we want to try and do with our practice, too, is that we want to try and get to that heart issue. Like, what is going on? How can we help these women, not just in this one decision, but for the rest of their life? Because we care about these women. Mm -hmm. These pro-abortion people do not care. Mm -hmm. They care about getting as many abortions done as possible. Because that is a huge money maker.
0: Yes. They could care less about the lives of the women. All they care about is providing abortions and making money off of it. And as you said, Zoyard, it's like deceptive advertising. I know Senator Kirkmeyer in opposition to the bill demonstrated how Planned Parenthood's website would run afoul the language if the language were fair and didn't target pregnancy centers. But, you know, as you said, most people are aware of that Planned Parenthood exists and what they offer as far as abortion. So when women are pregnant, especially young women, and they look online and they happen to come on a a pregnancy center website, They kind of have an idea of what they're getting into there, and they want it. So pregnancy centers are targeting the women, and they're not deceptively advertising. They're getting the people who are seeking them, because they're not just directly seeking an abortion. They want to know their options, and they have something inside them that's saying, I know abortion is available, but these people... I've heard they're kind. They offer support, like the woman to woman support that they need. And so they really want to know how can I get help that may not be an abortion? You mentioned earlier, sweetheart, fake clinics. So the bill text as it stands right now does not include fake clinics. It still includes a lot of vitriol against pregnancy centers, but the original draft of the bill included fake clinics. And it was like pulling teeth to get that removed. So I want to play a, a few little clips. So the first time an amendment was brought up to remove the language fake clinics. Now, it, it wouldn't even change the effect of the bill. It's just to remove fake clinics. And uh, Senator Smallwood argued for this amendment. And so I want to play a little bit about what he had to say.
1: I mean, come on. Fake clinics? Fake clinics? Fake clinics? That's what we've devolved to as a body? Anti-abortion centers are the ground-level presence of a well-coordinated anti-choice movement.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so those are two things that were in the bill. Now, that part about the well-grounded, coordinated, anti-choice movement, that's still in the bill as it stands so he brings up so another clip from the same pitch for the amendment to remove fake clinics.
1: Anti-abortion centers are the ground-level presence of a well-coordinated anti-choice move. It sounds like we live in North Korea.
0: <laughs> because it's like bill text in basically the legislative reasoning for it makes accusations name calling for pregnancy centers you know it's like he has to ask it sounds like we're in north korea here like this is a joke right (laughs) so then he has he refers to the name calling of this
1: so what i'm suggesting colleagues i mean if this is if this is how we want the rest of the legislative session to go if, if we want to just move to pedantic name-calling and that's how we want to operate as a body, the senator from Denver, I couldn't have said it better. We've got bigger things to worry about than, than name-calling because that's what this is. That's really all this is. The sheer lack of even thinly veiled neutrality is just appalling. And I am not trying to sound sanctimonious here. But I've seen a lot of ledge decks. And I haven't even been here that long. This is, this is like truly jumping the shark.
0: So, yeah, Senator Smallwood, with his impassioned argument for an amendment simply to remove the word fake clinics as an accusation against pregnancy centers. And after all that, guess what happened? Well, no, they did not want to remove that. Now, a little bit afterwards, the opposition brought up another amendment, which was essentially the same. They said something like, OK, here's our second attempt (laughs) and made a very quick pitch for the argument for the amendment once again to remove fake clinics. And then one of the supporters did make the concession there. And so I will play that. But it was kind of a snarky concession.
2: I want to clarify that the language that is in this bill, that has, um, in the legislative declaration that we're talking about, that is so um, provocative, um, a lot of that actually came from the American Medical Association. It was not actually um, us. But given the good faith of this amendment, I would urge an I vote on L013. Thank
0: you. The motion is the adoption of L013. All favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. The ayes have it and L13 is passed. So, <laughs> thank you. Democrats for allowing fake clinics to be stricken from the text of the bill. <laughs> but yeah, they fought it. They voted no for the first version of that amendment after making the North Korea comparison. Like it showed just how almost like they're drunk on power, <laughs> you know, so like, ha ha ha, there's nothing you can do to get your way. And then it's kind of like, okay, maybe we can concede this. But she mentioned the AMA, the language about fake clinics came from the AMA which kind of goes to show you like who really is behind this bill and it kind of shows you the character of the AMA today.
2: (laughs) Which is funny too because earlier when Senator Kirkmeyer presented the deception that Planned Parenthood portrays if we're going to consider deception in medical practices, she mentioned that almost exact wording was also on Planned Parenthood's website calling crisis pregnancy centers fake clinics Mm. as well. So that term is definitely a common thread between anyone who is on the pro abortion side of the field.
0: Yeah. So as if the AMA is some kind of unbiased expert class that this is the source of true unbiased medical practice well that kind of goes to show that the ama and acog and planned parenthood are all (laughs) joined at the hip there
2: are you just watching you grab the popcorn plant the family on the couch and flip on the tv but have you left your worldview behind media comes in all forms and all of it contains some level of indoctrination
3: Are You Just Watching? The Entertain Christian's Handbook to Consuming Media with Purpose is
2: a guided journal with worldview-shaping info and lots of guided note pages to help you watch and discuss anything you put before your family's eyes. Purchase it now on Amazon.com. And don't just watch.
0: As we mentioned, this bill, it tries to penalize pregnancy centers for how they advertise for their services because it's like hey if they're not going to be like the rest of us and uh, support abortion services then they basically need to like shine that in big neon lights to anyone looking to say hey we're religious fanatics and if you agree with us then hey we're here for you but if you're looking for anything else don't come here you know basically that's what they want and but the Bill in Section 3 also, as we mentioned last week, is trying to outlaw the abortion pill reversal. The abortion pill regimen, mifepristone, the first pill that blocks progesterone to the receptors, basically to starve the baby, and then followed by Misoprostol, the pill that causes labor and expels the dead baby. And the abortion pill reversal is simply a progesterone regimen after, soon after taking mifepristone, to reverse the effects by providing more progesterone. We talked about how Dr. Cranin's claims are not true, that progesterone can work, can supplement the pregnancy, and can reverse the effects of mifepristone. And the data shows more and more how effective this treatment is, which is why they want to ban it. And so as the bill was ending, as discussion on amendments was ending, Before they voted on it and, of course, passed it, Senator Kirkmeyer gave her last kind of explanation for why she opposes the bill and explains where the deception is.
3: This bill, it's about taking away a woman's right and putting up a barrier to choosing life. It essentially says to me, Let's just keep those women in the dark. Let's not inform them of all their options. That we don't respect women enough to let them make an informed decision. We are undermining a woman's well-being. As I said earlier, I thought pro-choice, meant that a woman had a right to choose. That they could choose between life for their unborn child or an abortion and end pregnancy. Tonight, it's not about pro-choice. It's about pro-abortion. That you would only have the right to choose an abortion. And as I said earlier, the ultimate deception because the title of this bill is about making punishable, deceptive actions. The ultimate deception is in this bill.
0: I think that was a good closing that she gave there and kind of reiterating the point she made earlier on the floor there with the amendments. And yeah, the bill is a walking contradiction. And uh, yes, as it tries to claim that pregnancy centers are being deceptive, Yes, the bill itself is what's being deceptive by hiding from women and outlawing the viable option of reversing an abortion and exercising a right to continue a pregnancy and, as you said, keeping them in the dark.
2: So I think it's interesting with just the last little bit of the testimonies that we heard at the Senate floor there that, and I agree, like I liked how Kirkmeyer kind of summed it up that. The whole bill is just limiting women to making one choice. And if that choice is abortion, then that's great. And they're going to be rewarded. And the abortion providers are rewarded and not held accountable for anything. But if anyone wants to choose life, then they're going to have a hard time making that decision now. And for providers who want to help them with that choice of life, then providers are going to be charged and criminalized and you just see that shift of in there's a bible verse that says you know want them that call evil good and good evil and that is exactly what we see in this bill abortion the abortion pill only produces death mm-hmm. that is the only thing it does it kills the unborn baby and a lot of times, over close to 30 times now, it kills the woman. There are severe adverse events in the thousands that women experience from the abortion pill. Progesterone in reversing the abortion pill through the abortion pill reversal protocol only seeks to help preserve life for the unborn and also to help with the mom's life. Long-term studies showing how progesterone decreases different medical problems, such as heart disease, breast cancer, ovarian, uterine cancer. Progesterone helps with mood. It helps with women that struggle with repetitive miscarriage. There are so many life-affirming, life-giving effects of progesterone, and that is what is being criminalized in this bill. So life is being shut out, and death is being the one that's promoted and praised and protected. So we're never going to look at Colorado the same again if these bills go through, because Colorado will be a place of death. Mm. We are promoting death in our young children, in the unborn, and in women with these bills. So we're just praying and we just ask you who are listening to also pray with us that truth will prevail through all this. And that no matter what the outcome of these bills are this coming week, that we know we have our hoping and our strength in God. And and I know you shared a verse with me earlier this week, babe, that was just so encouraging.
0: So uh, read the verse and... So Psalm 37 verse and I'll read verses 7 through 13 because it's kind of a package of verses (laughs) that it provides hope for when it seems like evil is just prevailing so much. We have hope. We who have the truth have the hope and we can look forward where the evil only looks at their progress today. We know that we will be victorious in the end. So Psalm 37 verses seven through 13 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil; for evil-doers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be, but the meek shall inherit the earth. We've heard that in the Sermon on the Mount and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth the Lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming and so yes (laughs) these verses definitely give us hope because we can see the future we can see the end wickedness shall be destroyed though it's going to be a battle for now We have the truth of God's word. We have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all the wicked have are their pursuits and their ends and their selfishness for now. And they can rejoice in their apparent victories that they get now But all they're going to do is destroy themselves, and God will destroy them if they do not repent and believe the truth. And so we definitely ask you to pray for us because, as I say, it's likely to get worse before it gets better, but pray that God will work miracles. These bills are going to the house floor this Tuesday, so if you're At least that's when it's scheduled. So if you're listening to this episode when it's first released on Monday morning, know that it's coming up for a House committee where people are going to testify for and against. And we predict that there will be far more who will testify against the bills than for the bills. But that doesn't stop the evil from pretending that none of that exists. But yes, definitely keep praying against Colorado. Push for abortion dystopia. And so, thank you for listening to this episode and stay tuned for more coverage on the development of this issue. And God bless.
1: Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso.
0: Good morning and God
1: bless your day.
0: Hey, friends, Daniel Minnick here again.